Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 2 Kings. The book of 2 Kings in chapter number 6. The book of 2 Kings in chapter number 6. We're continuing with our series of the life and ministry of Elijah and Elisha. And we're on our downhill slide, just a few more messages to go. But we still have some exciting times that when you study the series or the life of Elisha and Elijah, that we could truly see that these are two men of God who went through exciting times. Now, it may look adventurous on the outside, but let me tell you that some of the things that they endured was not that pleasant. In fact, a lot of the things that the people around them suffered, they also suffered. That they're not immune to the plagues, they're not immune to the famines, they're not immune to the hard times, they go through it just like everyone else. And as we could see that some hard times did indeed hit. Now this morning we continue to cover the tensions between Israel and its northern neighbor of Syria and how Syria had sent little um, border skirmishes and tried to send people and yet God used Elijah to kind of stop that. But now, full-fledged conflict is now hit. And we now find ourselves in the book of 2 Kings, chapter number 6. The book of 2 Kings, chapter number 6. And let's pick it up in verse number 24. 2 Kings, chapter 6, and verse 24. The Word of God says this, And it came to pass that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all his host and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And behold, they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for fourscore pieces of silver. And the fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. And as the king of Israel... <coughs> Passed by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him, saying, Help, my Lord, O king! And he said, If the Lord do not help, when shall I help thee? Out of the barn floor or out of the winepress? And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give me thy, my son, that we may eat him today, and we'll eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son, that we may eat him. And she hath hid her son. And it came to pass, when the king heard the words of the woman, he rent his clothes and passed by upon the wall. And the people looked, and behold, he had a sackcloth on, <coughs> within upon his flesh. And he said, God do, and more so to me, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, shall not stand on him this day. But Elisha sat in his house, and the elders sat with him, and the king sent a men from before him, but ere the messenger came to him, and he said to the elders, See ye how this son of a murderer hath sent to take away mine head. Look, when the messenger cometh, shut the door, and hold him fast at the door. Is it not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he yet talketh with them, behold, the messenger came down unto him, and he said, Behold, this evil is of the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? 
Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a lord in whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord will make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt not, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find later in chapter number 7, 2 Kings chapter number 7, and notice with me in verse 9, 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse 9, and notice with me, if you wouldn't mind the phrase, this is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. This is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. And with the Lord's help, we're going to examine this idea of these people holding their peace in the midst of good tidings and have the idea here of Elisha and the fearful famine. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you, we're just asking that you would give us wisdom and discernment in this historical piece of scripture here, talking about something that literally happened within a history. And we could see that you're a miracle working God and that you're able to work. You're able to show your hand. We're asking that, Lord, we would depend upon you and that we would apply this properly to our own life, seeing that you have blessed us beyond measure. And we have a responsibility to share with those about those same blessings. Lord, once again, you get your own work accomplished. Fill me with your precious spirit and direct my thoughts even now. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God is now sending chastisement upon Israel at this time. The king of Israel at this time is Jehoram, who happened to be the wicked son of Ahab and Jezebel. Immoral worship of Baal and Ashtaroth was now going forth throughout the entire kingdom. And now another step has been added. Children have been sacrificed in worship of Moloch during this time. That children are now being burnt in the fire. And so this is a time where they're worshiping Baal. They're worshiping Ashtaroth or Ishtar, the fertility goddess. They're making sacrifices to Moloch and God is not happy. Now the pure judgment of God could not fall upon Israel because Elisha is there. And there's always been the principle that God will remove his people from judgment before it comes down, just like the rapture. But here we could see that hard times are coming, and we could see a very fearful famine. If you don't mind, I'd like to walk through this bit of history here, and I want to start off with the war, with the war. Now, Samaria was a very strong city, and it was protected by huge walls, but their enemy of Syria has come down with great forces and great troops. Ben-Hadad has come down, and he is has the purpose that he is going to finally get rid of his dreadful enemy of Israel. And so they're surrounding Samaria. And in ancient times, if you wanted to take out a big city, you would besiege it. Now what that means is that you would park your army all around the city and you would stop all the deliveries. So no more Walmart trucks, no more quick trip gas uh, 
vehicles are coming in. No more Kroger or pick and save. Nothing's coming in and nothing's going out. And so their idea is that they're going to starve out the city. And it's much easier than trying to take down the walls and trying to go through the defenders. They're just stopping all deliveries. So no more water, no more food, no more Dr. Pepper. Nothing is getting in, nothing's going out. And so during this time here, <coughs> the people are trying to hold out. But after time, you start to lose, use everything you have. Their pantries are empty. People are starving. And I want you to see how bad the conditions are. The people are searching for food. Notice with me in verse number 25. And there was a great famine in Syria, or Samaria. Behold, they besieged it. And an ass's head was sold for four score, that's 80 pieces of silver. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with farm animals, but here's a donkey's head. And it doesn't have much meat on a donkey's head. It's not like it's fat. It's not like it's full of nice steak. There's not a lot of meat at all. And yet someone would have a donkey's head and they're selling out in the street for 80 pieces of silver. Now, this is pretty expensive. If I'm, it's not exactly equivalent, but maybe you think in your mind, $80 for something that doesn't have a lot of meat. That's how bad they are. Oh, but it's not, it's not <laughs> over yet. Notice this. And a fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. So if you can imagine someone got creative and they've been watching doves fly around and they can't get the doves, but they scrape off the dove poop. And now there's a little drop here and they're selling it for $5. People are that hungry, they're looking for anything to eat. Most of us have no idea what this level of starvation is like. This idea of people that are desperate and so this war has raged and people are doing everything they can to survive. And it's not pretty. And you let a society get that desperate. Next thing you know, morals go out the window. So we go from the war and now our attention goes to the woman. To the woman. So the king's walking through and he's observing things. And all of a sudden this lady comes up and says, King, king, I need your help. I need your help. Now notice, if you don't mind, he says something off the cuff. In, um, excuse me, in uh, verse number 26. And as the king, excuse me, and as the king was passing by upon the wall, there cried a woman unto him saying, help my lord, O king. And he said, if the Lord do not help thee, whenceforth should I help thee? Out of the barn for, out of the winepress. So he's feeling pretty bitter that day. This woman comes up and says, Oh, help me, king. He says, listen, if God's not helping us, what do you want me to do about it? Well, that's always encouraging. So the king's, he's not right. By the way, he's part of the problem. If he would just get right with the Lord, a lot of this would be solved. And he is not right with the Lord. So finally he says, fine, just tell me what's the matter with you. He says, what aileth thee? Verse 28. And she answered, this woman said unto me, give me thy son, and we may eat him today, and we'll eat my son tomorrow. So here's two neighbors, two ladies. And they come up with agreement. They're both starving. And one of them comes up with the idea that says, hey, our kids aren't going to make it. So we might as well do something about it. So you've got a son and I've got a son. How about today we eat your son 
and tomorrow we'll eat mine. And the lady said, okay. And so they take her son, boil him up, and they have son stew. And they eat on him for a while. And when that's all done, they start getting hungry again. And the lady goes back to her neighbor, knocks on the door and says, all right, it's your turn. Let's get your son. She goes, I don't know what you're talking about. Not going to happen. And she hid her son. The other woman, it carries the idea here that the woman actually is searching for him. If I find your boy, we're going to eat him. She's looking for him. She's hid her son. This is bad stuff. And yet this lady goes up to the king and says, I'm telling. We made an agreement. Now she won't let me eat her son. Do something about it, king. Can you imagine having to be, deliver, uh, be the one to judge that dilemma? This is showing how bad things are. And the king finally understands. I mean, it's one thing that people are eating their animals and eating their cats and trying to starve what they can. But now they're turning to cannibalism. Things are falling apart quickly. And so he rents his clothes. He puts on sackcloth as a public sign of something is wrong. But then what happens, he decides to do something about it. All right, I've got to do something about it. I've got to fix this solution. I know what I'm going to do. So we start off with a war. That brings us to the woman. Then we come to the word. What is the word of the king? What is the word that comes out? When all else fails, blame the preacher. It's the preacher's fault. And if we get rid of the preacher, everything's going to be better. You look in the Bible, that's always the default answer. Whenever everything goes wrong, you blame the preacher. Notice with me in verse 30. And it came to pass when the king heard the words of the woman, he rent his clothes and he passed by upon the wall. And the people looked and behold, he had sackcloth within his flesh. And he said, God do so and more also to me. If the head of Elijah, the son of Shaphat, shall stand on him today. So he stands up, makes a public cry. Listen here, it's Elisha's fault. We're going to get rid of that pesky preacher. We're tired of that preacher we're going to show him and so let's kill the preacher and the people are excited about it and so he sends forth a runner but verse number 32 but Elisha sat in his house notice where he's at he's in the city he's starving like everyone else He's going through it too. And Elisha sat in his house and the elders sat with him. So some of the elders within the city are with him. And the king sent a man from before him. But ere the messenger came to him and he said to the elders, See ye how the son of a murderer has sent to take away my head? So Elisha knows what's happening. Hey, that king, the son of a murderer, he didn't have nice words to say about him. He's coming to kill me now, guys. Notice he gives some instructions. Look, when the messenger cometh, shut the door. So it's almost like this. When you see the messenger coming, you see him, you see him, see him, shut the door and you lock it. Don't let him in. We'll show him. <laughs> he says, the reason why is because his master is right at his feet. We let in that messenger. Guess what? So while he yet talked with him, the, behold, the messenger came down to him and he said, Behold, this evil is of the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? He says, the Lord's doing this. So what we're going to do is we're going to take out the preacher. That always makes sense. I'm sure that'll make God happier, right? So Elisha's at the other side of the door and says, Hear ye the word of the Lord. 
Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time a measure of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley shall be sold for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. So Elijah says, Hey, let me tell you what's going to happen. Tomorrow about this time, you're going to be able to go to the store and buy ingredients for bread for a penny. You're going to go there and everything you need, two measures of barley for a shekel. Now they're starving and they're selling ox head or um, I'm doing my own equivalency of money, but they're selling donkey's heads for $80. And you're saying that tomorrow we're going to go and get ingredients to make stuff for pennies? You're crazy. And Elisha's out the door. Now that's what's going to happen. They didn't believe him. Verse 2. And the Lord on whose hand the king leaned upon answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord will make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine own eyes, but shall not eat thereof. So the guy says, Listen. What, you think God's going to just open up a window of heaven? You think he's just going to snap his fingers and it's going to be there? You're out of your mind. And the preacher said, well, listen, you're going to see it, but you're not going to be able to taste it. You're going to look at it, but you're not going to eat it. And that's the end of that phase. So how is God going to solve this? I mean, the city is starving. They don't have anything. They're scrapping everything they can. But yet the man of God has said that tomorrow we're going to have so much food. The grocery stores are going to be full. You can buy things pennies. Nothing. It's going to be nothing. There's going to be plenty for everyone tomorrow. Well, that sounds like a pretty big promise. That sounds like a pretty tall tale. But you know, God's already on the plant, on the ball. He's already working. He already knows what he's doing, which comes to the well-doing. Now, remember, outside of the walls is a whole entire army that is trying to starve out the city. They're trying to do their, their can to demoralize the city. Their idea is that the people will get so desperate that they'll surrender. Well, it so happens that outside of the city happen to be four lepers. Now remember, because of their leprosy, they have to be uh, separated from everyone. They, when they see someone, they have to say, unclean, unclean. Now they can't hold a job, they can't work. And so they're dependent upon someone else to give to them. Well, if no one else has anything to give, and they're starving and eating their own kids, these lepers have been neglected for a while. And so four of them get together and they meet together and say, listen, we're going to die. We've got to do something about it. So how about this? We surrender to the Syrian army. And one of two things are going to happen. That if we surrender to them, they take us prisoner of war and they're going to feed their prisoners. They got food. We might as well just surrender and maybe they'll feed us. Or if they kill us, we're going to die anyways, but we've got to do something. And so they said, all right, that sounds like a plan. So they decide they're going to come in the middle of the night. So the four lepers, they go. And as they see the camp, they get the surrender position going. All right, we're here. And as they approach the camp, nothing. No one's there. No one's home. Maybe in the middle of the night and they're sleeping. So they start calling and, hey, guys, we surrender. Nothing. So they say, all right, well, there's a tent right there. Uh, 
One of us has got to go investigate it. Who wants to go? How about you go? No, you go. You go. So finally, maybe they solve it with a rock, paper, scissors. All right, ready? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, man. And so what happens is one leper says, all right, I'm going to go investigate. Pray for me that I survive. And you could see him kind of go around and look for the tent flap and kind of look inside. And then all of a sudden he goes inside of the tent and there's quiet. And then all of a sudden a big noise starts going in and then nothing. What's going on? What's happening? Finally, the other three lepers say, well, we've got to see what's going on. And they go look in the tent flap. And there's the other leper with a big old chicken leg in his hand and mashed potatoes. And he's eating away. There's no one else in the tent. And he's just, he's just feeding his face, man. This is great. And they're looking. Oh, whew. man, this tent was empty. That's great. We got the right one. So they said, well, <laughs> we're hung. We're fed now, but maybe we should finally surrender. If they find us, they're just going to kill us. Maybe, you know, let's go check out another tent. Maybe someone's sleeping in that one. They just left this one. And so they go and once again surrender and hello, hello. So they come to another tent. All right, guys, someone's got to go investigate this. All right, rock, paper, scissors, ready? Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Oh, man. So one of them goes in and says, all right, guys, and walking around, gets to the tent, looks inside, disappears inside, and all of a sudden more noise starts going and then nothing. What happened to him? Where's he at? So the other three start looking in. And this time the guy's in there. And he's stuffing his pockets full of gold. That's just sitting there. Treasure and loading up. And hi guys. And so the other ones start loading up. This is great. Filling up their pockets. I haven't seen this much money in a long time. Oh we're great. And so now they've got food. And they got money. And they haven't seen anything. What's going on? Well, what happened is in the middle of the night before the lepers got there is that the Syrian army is outside of the walls of Samaria. Now, they're attacking, but they're vulnerable to attack. If an enemy army comes, they don't have anywhere to stand. They could be easily wiped out. And so while they're on their patrols and they're enjoying their night, all of a sudden, God brought to them a huge noise. That they thought an invading army was coming. They thought the king of Samaria had sent out and asked for help. And now a huge army is coming towards them. And they're so close they don't have time to pack. And so they just take off running. And they leave their food. They leave their clothes. They leave their treasure. They just go running so they don't die. And now the whole camp is empty. Enough food to feed an army of thousands of people that's surrounding the city. Enough treasure to finance this army for a year or so. When you besiege someone, it wasn't after a couple days. They would usually plan on staying around for a year or two to starve out a city. And so there was enough finances to, to take care of all the soldiers for a long period of time. There's clothes, there's raiment. There's all kinds of stuff and the lepers are looking at and said, this is great. But notice what happens if you don't mind. Let's kind of pick this up in verse number six. Ah, verse number five. 
And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they come to the uttermost part of the camp, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of Syria to hear the noise of chariots and a noise of horses and even the great the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carry thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. And when they said one to another, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings and we hold our if we tarry till the morning light, some mischief to come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. So as they're eating and going through the gold and hiding treasure, they go, you know what? We're not doing well. There's a city right here. Everyone's starving. They're dying. And yet we have more than we could eat. There's no way we should keep this blessing to ourselves. We shouldn't keep this all to ourselves. Not when they're starving and dying. We don't do well. In fact, they go on to deduce that if we decide not to share this blessing, we're deserving of something bad to happen to us. We'll be guilty if we allow those people to die and we could have given them food. We'll be guilty if we could supply for that. And so the four lepers go. Now they've got to get back into the city and say, Hey, the whole army out here left. They're gone. You imagine a guard say, uh, no. <laughs> Trying to convince them, hey, they're gone. We, we, we're telling the truth. They're all gone. Well, they haven't been gone for a year or so. Why are they leave now? So the lepers finally tell. They finally get someone to go investigate. And sure enough, notice with me verse 10. So they came and called into the porter of the city and they told him, We come from the camp of the Syrians. And behold, there was no man there, neither the voice of man, but horses tied and asses tied and the tents as they were. And he called the porter and they told the king's house within. And the king arose in the night and said to his servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we be hungry. Therefore they've gone out of the t camp to hide themselves in the field, saying that when they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get in the city. So here the king, he thinks it's a trap. Oh, they just left and they want us to go out. And as soon as we get out, we're no longer protected by the walls. They're going to get us. It's a trap. And one of his servants answered and said, let us, let some take, I pray thee, five of the horses that remain, which are left in the city. And behold, they are all as in a multitude of Israel that are left in it. Behold, I say that they are even all of the multitude of Israelites that are consumed. And let us send and see. So king, why don't we just take five horses and send five guys out there? And we'll just go see if the story's true. Let's just, you know, if we get captured, then that's how it is. At least you know. But we got to investigate. 
And they therefore took two chariot horses, and the king sent after the host of the Syrians, saying, Go and see. And they went after them into the Jordan, and lo, all the way full of garments and vessels, which the Syrians had cast away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king. And so you know what happened? They went out and said, guess what? Shopping day's here. And they pick up everything they can. The stores are now full of food. And all of the treasures set aside. And now so they don't need the money to sell the food. They're willing to just sell the food at low price. And what's happening is the worst Black Friday sale ever. Could you imagine the people hearing that the grocery stores are full? And they can't open yet. We got we to gotta stock the shelves. And guess who was placed in charge of guarding the door? The guy who happened to come to kill Elisha and threaten Elisha. And so his job is to guard the door. He sees all the food back there, but he has a job to do. He hasn't been able to taste it. His job is to open the doors for the people. Let's see how well this works out for him. <laughs> and uh, verse 17 and the king appointed the Lord on whose hand he leaned to have charge of the gate. And the people trode upon him in the gate, and he died. As the man of God said, which spake unto him, which the king had come down. <laughs> so the guy guards the door, and as soon as it opens, they trample him. They're so hungry, they just, just run over him. He dies in the first Black Friday sale ever. He gets trampled underfoot. The people don't care about him. They're so hungry. They go in there. They start getting food and start selling and they're feeding themselves. The famine is over. The army is gone. Because God was protecting his man and watching after this. So what do we do with a story like this? We'll go back to verse number nine. And notice what these men said, these four lepers. These four lepers had been blessed of God, and they had something of good tidings and abundance. And they said one to another, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings. May I pause and remind you what the word gospel means? It means good news. We have good news that the world needs to hear. And without the good news, people will die and perish. In fact, there are people dying and perishing all around us. And we have the good news to keep them from dying. We have the good news where they don't have to perish. We do not well. This is a day of good tidings. And we hold our peace. This is the great crime here. These people... These four lepers, if they did not tell anyone, everyone who died of starvation from that point on would be upon those lepers because they didn't tell. They had the ability to give someone the deliverance they needed so they did not have to perish. And if they did not, they would have been guilty. They would have been guilty. So much so that they acknowledge that if we tarry here till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. They recognize that if they fail to tell someone, they're worthy of judgment. They're worthy to be judged because they did not deliver the good news to someone else. You understand that those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior have the greatest gift that could ever be given. And we have a gift that most people do not have. Do you know 
that no one has to die and go to hell. Jesus' blood was enough to pay for every single person and every single sin. No one has to die and go to hell. No one has to perish. The reason why they do perish is because they did not receive the good news. We have a great responsibility. And if we hold our peace, we do not well. We have a responsibility because we've been blessed to deliver the news to those that don't have it. Just a simple truth, but yet a profound truth. Notice if you don't mind, this principle is given in the Bible. Look with me if you don't mind in the book of Proverbs. Look with me if you don't mind in the book of Proverbs. <laughs> Proverbs chapter. <laughs> now I'm looking for it, forgive me. what happens when I go off notes. That's fine. Then my brain won't work. Then I will. The Bible talks about <laughs> that if we forbear to deliver them that are Going to death. So of course I cannot find it. So forgive me. I'm just going to have to go off memory. And just allow you all to look it up. And give it to you later. But they. The Bible talks about they that forbear. To deliver them that are unto death. The word forbear. Means the idea. To cross your arms. And do nothing. To cross your arms and do nothing. Imagine this if you don't mind this scenario. Let's say that there's a, a truck coming down the road. And we see one of our precious little kids that, that's not paying attention that's close to the road. And you could see the trucks heading towards them. And the kids not paying attention. And you could see that they're going to collide. And you cross your arms and look away. So that way you, and you don't warn them. That's the idea of forbear. To do nothing. And you allow that accident to happen without trying to warn them, without trying to do something, you're guilty of their own death. If you forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death. The next verse says, again, forgive me for not being prepared, but it says, <laughs> says something about, we did not know. It says, does not he that consider the hearts know it? They give the excuse when you stand before God and they give the excuse, I didn't know it was my job. I didn't know it was my responsibility to tell them. It says, doth not he that consider the hearts consider this? Meaning that you're going to stand before God and judge and that's not going to be a valid excuse because you know now. This is your responsibility. We have the responsibility to tell everyone Especially if we are the holders of good news. If we are the ones 
that have the responsibility <laughs> to have this wonderful joy. To be able to tell them. Good. <laughs> Proverbs 24. That's what I thought. Proverbs 24. You know what verse? 11. Good. I have a new Bible and it's not marked on here. Forgive me. I was looking for my marks. Good. Proverbs 24, 11. Thank you. Notice with me. If thou forbear to deliver them that are drawn unto death and those that are ready to be slain. Remember that word forbear carries the idea to cross your arms and do nothing. Carries that picture. If thou sayest, behold, we knew it not. I didn't know it was my job. Doth not he that pondereth the hearts consider it? And he that keepeth thy soul, doth he not know it? And shall he not render to every man according to his works? These lepers said, we do not well. We do not well. We have good tidings. And if we withhold those good tidings... We're going to be in trouble. We have the ability to deliver the good news to people who are perishing and dying. Who are dying in their trespasses and sins. And they need to be delivered. This is an important message because we're like those lepers. We're nothing special. But we just happen to find the good news. And that we just need to share those good news with other people before they perish as well. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus. And I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three oh eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three oh eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.